Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard. Good morning to you, Knoxville, or happy lunchtime if you're listening on the podcast. Or good evening if you're listening at night. Hope you're having a good Wednesday, last day of January. Man, the 30th kind of went crazy. Hopefully the 31st is not crazy, but after we got off the air, it was one of those situations, Bob, that I've talked about. You know, in the morning, we don't really get a lot of news. It's usually around lunchtime where stuff starts going crazy. And yesterday, that kind of felt like what happened in Knoxville, and then, of course, was capped off by the nightcap in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center as, as Tennessee took an L to South Carolina. It was a bad night for me. Hope you're well. How are you, Bob? I'm good. I agree. Kind of a crappy Tuesday. Um, just got out of here. Had a good show yesterday. Felt pretty good about the day. Had a couple meetings, but as the afternoon wore on, yeah, we got news that, you know, at first glance kind of uh, freaks you out, but then you start to realize it's there's more to it than that, and um, we're going to talk about it today, but then and then I went to the game last night, and that was uh, that was a tough, tough watch there, man. I have to say, Sam. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Doing well. Feeling uh, feeling all right for an unfortunate unfortunate night, I guess, in Tennessee Tennessee athletics. I got a couple messages from listeners wanting to know if we successfully bullied you into Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. To watch that disaster. Yeah, uh, unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. I uh, one of my buddies texted me after the show. He was he was listening. He was like, "Dude, you told me we were going to boxing tonight, and I totally forgot." Boxing. And, yeah, we started to, we started to commit to doing these boxing classes. So, like, what kind of boxing? It's just like training boxing. It's it's like at a gym. Yeah. Like at, at a boxing gym. Mm-hmm. It's free classes. Really? Yeah. How many people were there? Uh, a decent amount, like probably thirty. Are you planning like on kicking some ass sometime soon? Uh, no, just I think it's a good workout. No, that I've always heard it's yeah. a great workout. I mean, you just hit in the bag for a couple minutes. You yeah, know, tire you out. You did like a lot of jump rope, and then you do like some some bag work and stuff like that, and some guys kind of teach you through it and stuff like that. I mean, it's like are they coaching you? Yeah, like they they accept you know guys that have never walked into a boxing gym before, all the way up to guys that like want to actually fight. <laughs> did in you boxing. do that with your mouth and your punching? <laughs> <laughs> do you have your own gloves or do they uh no they give yeah they give you all that stuff you like wrapping up your wrists and everything too uh, how i'll probably buy my own wraps if i keep consistently going are They're they putting of... you in trunks are you going shirtless <laughs> like uh, how, how serious are we getting here? i'm not walking in like floyd mayweather how no. many people are Street at this clothes. boxing class um i've heard that like sometimes like 50 or 60 people go well, how many people were there last night probably like 30 maybe okay give me an age range mm, all over 
So like seven up to like sixty. Uh, I would say I mean, like kids that are maybe over. a little bit younger than me up to like middle aged people. Okay, that's not all over. That's like the eighteen to twenty, eighteen to fifty four demo is what that's we're looking at. Big. Well, yeah, I know, but uh, you say all over. I'm like, you. We got well, yeah, I mean, seventy five year old. No, there's there, not. You know, there's not like cardio. old people in there like getting some work in now. Little kids. I don't know if you know somebody's training their kid to be a prodigy or to try to get them into it. I guess you can't really train to be a prodigy. I think you're just kind of born one, but you get the picture. How long a class are we looking at? An hour? Yeah, you can kind of just leave whenever you want. Okay. So like, I kind of left a little bit earlier because the game started. I missed a little bit of the game, and so I was just like, all right, I got to get out of here and get going. Will there ever be any sparring that goes place in the uh, goes on in this place? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Um, Like, you gotta get a mouthpiece. Like, I feel like if I did it long enough, they'd be like, yeah, if you want to spar, like you can do it. Interesting. It was more just bag work and stuff like that, and them kind of teaching you fundamentals and all that. Your shoulder sore? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I just holding your arms up and punching. I mean, yeah. it works out the the upper back. I, I was shoulder, stretching yeah. this morning, and I was like, Oof. "Huh? How often do I do this? A couple times a week. Oh. I think it's Mondays and Tuesdays." Okay. N- next question. Last question about boxing. Maybe is what's in it for this place? You you give a donation at the end? I don't know how they make money, to be honest with you, because it's free, yeah. Are they a boxing gym? They're hoping you sign up to take classes? Like, Probably. But I don't... And get don't, in there eventually? It like, didn't really it seem kinda... like they had... Maybe you pay for, like, private training if you want to do more right. of it. Like but if you like, actually get into it, they're trying to... I mean, to it's hold... on, like, the city of Knoxville's website. Also, it's the city of Knoxville. Thing, yeah. So it's like a Parks and Rec thing, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So the city's paying for it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like, the boxing weekend thing that they do at the university back in the day? Yeah. It's sponsored by that gym. Like, it's it's at that gym. Boxing weekend's canceled, though, right? Or is it, mm. do people still do it? I don't know. Cause if the they died. do it, it's not as good. Yeah, because the guy died, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of the end of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm going to the game Wednesday. You're, my going, mom, to get, you're going to the game Wednesday. My mom, uh, my mom bought tickets. She's coming up, and we're going to the game together. Are you going back to boxing? Yeah, I'll go back to boxing. I don't know if I want to get into boxing, but I have thought about like you know maybe like just training a little bit, mat work like you know jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, I'm not married that's to more functional than yeah. boxing for sure. Jujitsu, I see. I don't know. Like a, you're saying I like said, MMA kind of. Yeah, if I said I was doing jujitsu, I would feel so weird. I'd feel like a poser. But if I was like, just go out there and I just want to, yeah, scrap, spar like in the ring a little bit, learn some holds and things. But I don't know. I just thought it'd be a good workout, but also like. I don't want to get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. It's two sports that I feel like you you really feel like you need a lot of experience to get going in, but yeah. I feel like boxing is a little bit easier to ease into than jujitsu. Well, the like, concept I do is a just, lot of stretching just punch. And stuff. Yeah, just, yeah. Go, <laughs> just punch. Exactly. You might not be great, but just punch and mm-hmm. get get sweating. Yeah, you roll around on a mat, you get put in the wrong hole. Yeah. Need, my, my fear would be getting kneed in the face when you're doing like some moves there and just an accidental knee right to your jaw. You knock out a couple teeth. I'm just not the most flexible guy, too, so I feel like you got to put people in all those, you know, in all those chokeholds and stuff like that. Like, I think I'd just cramp up on the matter. Let's just me and you wrestle. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I got to go. Um, fan run radio Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got me thinking when you said jujitsu. Did you ever see the movie uh, with Danny McBride, Foot Fist Way? Foot Fist Way? No, I don't think so. <sighs> fantastic i love danny mcbride yeah if you love danny mcbride it's one of his earlier films and it's him as a uh, dojo like in a he's got his own business like at a strip mall no this sounds familiar i have seen this it's it's great i have seen this yeah and he's like and he's vintage danny mcbride he's just like a total tool you know just the way he acts and everything it's... you, you kind of see the early parts of kenny powers in yes it a little okay bit. Yeah, exactly yeah no, yeah, I, I have seen this. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's him like 
<laughs> doing, you know, karate on uh, like kids and <laughs> stuff. It's it's great. It's great. Oh, well, yeah, so, 2006, uh, or, yeah, so I guess that would have been one of his, his yeah. first ones for sure. As a matter of fact, he said that that movie was, uh, it made it to, they got like a, an, you know, a slot at Sundance just by luck, and uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Adam McKay saw it, and that's where they kind of discovered him and said, hey, we want to do stuff with you, and went from there. Yeah, so then Kenny Powers and all the other stuff. Nice. Yeah. I was going to transition about knockouts, about how we got knocked out. Mm, I've been good. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have one for the foot fist way. The hands rim way is what it was yesterday. The I don't know, man. Kicking yourself in the ass is kind of what it was yesterday with all the shots you missed is what it felt like. Could have could have thought we shot with our feet the way it yeah. uh, looked. Yeah, bad loss last night. Uh, th- that was a lot of people's fear coming to fruition when it comes to when it comes to Tennessee basketball. That was what a lot of people have been waiting for, either so they could say, "I told you so." This team isn't different. This team isn't as good as you're acting, or just in the back of their mind, they've been hope. You know, they've been fearing that that would come rear its head, and you saw it last night as Tennessee. Quite frankly, this looks lifeless for most of the night. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't pick South Carolina to win, but if you recall, I said I felt the the point spread was way too much, and God, I didn't think it was going to be like this though. I mean, it just from the very start. I mean, they Tennessee runs a perfect pick and roll, and and Jonas like. It, it, it's it's almost inexplicable how a seven-footer misses a layup like that right off the bat. And who knew that was going to be such a, you know, sign of things to come because they all missed layups. Zakai did. Santi missed one. Dalton had a few that rolled out. I mean, it was, it was incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, and somebody was reaching out to me last night, asking what the vibe in the arena was like, and it, it was weird. They it sounded they, bad on TV. Yeah, they wanted to get into the game, but you, it just it, it was hard. You couldn't. And then, you know, again, you don't you don't pin this on the refs. The refs were pretty bad. What three fouls in a two second span? Um, After not calling getting in the first half again, like yeah. it was a it was a pretty crisp game in the first half, not scoring wise. You know, thirty to twenty six, but I thought it flowed well and it. You know, late in the half, it was like four fouls to two. And then, yeah, in the second half, that went by the wayside very quickly. Yeah, I yeah, it was it was, it was was a hard watch. And, you know, the other thing that happened, too, this is where I would hear things from the crowd. There would be – there was one time where Josiah spotted up over on the baseline where it's an open shot, and you could hear the fans kind of go, shoot! You know, I mean, that was the vibe. And then, with about six minutes to go, I don't know if you remember seeing this, on the opposite corner baseline, it was opposite the Tennessee bench, he got a, he got the ball and it looked like he was getting ready to shoot, and everybody around me was like, no, please don't. I mean, it's just that's what it's become with Josiah now. Um, you know, it's either shoot the wide open one, which he didn't, or at that point it looked like he may take a shot and everybody's like, please don't do that, please. And it's like... Man, how quickly he has fallen. There were a lot of bad things in that game, and you know we'll talk about them as we kind of get set up next segment. Yeah. Did I hear properly, Sam, on TV that there was a player from South Carolina who, who said his they said his dad's name was LeBron James 
and he was from Akron. I had not heard this. No, I was watching the what game. What game I, was it in? I, it was in the South Carolina Tennessee game. I, I thought, but now I've gone to check the the box score. And I don't see a James on there, but I swear they're like, you know, his father. His name's LeBron James, and he's actually from Akron, but not that LeBron James. I was just like, wait, what? It's like at the same time there's another LeBron James running around Akron that's not the king. And I just thought that was so strange. And for like the 10 minutes in the first half, I'm like, did I hear that correctly? Like, a, how, you know, uh, that was my first half takeaway. Because I kept thinking in the first half, is Tennessee going to lose? I was like, nah, nah, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be like it was where you struggle in the first half and then you turn it on in the second half and everything's fine. Well, that's not the case. You did not turn it on the second half. Everything was not fine. We'll dive into that after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. I've been out here since 3.30 this morning cleaning up this accident on 40 westbound just before you get down to White Road. It's been slow there between uh, Campbell Station and White Road this morning trying to get down through there because of that crash as traffic increases on 75 southbound coming out of Campbell County. I-40 still looks good down through Jefferson City, uh, Jefferson County rather, uh, as you head into Sevier County. Hey, Cupid's Outlet has two locations stop by. One of them today, North Broadway in North Knoxville. The other location on the Parkway in downtown Gatlinburg. Cupid's Outlet, your Valentine's Day headquarters. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw. 63 to 59. That's it. 59 bleeping points for Tennessee as South Carolina drug you down into the mud. Bob, you were spot on in saying it might feel like an old-school Wisconsin game. It felt like an old-school Wisconsin game as Lamont Paris is a Bo Ryan disciple, and that was the the vibe they brought. They brought it. They wanted to roll around the mud with you. They wanted to, to ugly it up, and they did. And for whatever reason, Tennessee could not get going offensively. It was one of those games where it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. To where I, you know, jokingly, jokingly, it was just like, are these guys on drugs? Like, because that's what it looked like. It looked like they were like lethargic. Like they had just like were sleepwalking or like they hadn't, you know, woken up. Everyone, you know, the stat line looks good at the end of the day. And, you know, the whole, hey, 30 points, 28 points, you, you kept the streak going. It hits different when you lose a bad game to South Carolina. But like, it felt like Dalton Connect was not immune to it either. I thought he slept walk. For a lot of the game. You know, he caught fire at the end. Still missed three key free throws. But I thought he slept walk for most of the half. It was really not until Tennessee went down nine points that he was like, I got to go now. Got to get to the rim. And he started getting there and hitting some shots. And then that opened up a couple threes. And, you know, some garbage time shots as you're desperately – not garbage time, but you're you're desperately trying to, to make up. He's hitting some clutch shots to keep you within, you know, distance if South Carolina would give you a missed free throw, which they didn't. But I thought everyone, I thought everyone was very, very lethargic. I thought everyone was off last night. It was tough. Um, going into that game, we talked about Michi Johnson, leading scorer for South Carolina. He only had three points in this game, and yet Tennessee still lost. Um, 
definitely felt like we were watching a an old school Wisconsin game. You know, not again, Bo Ryan before him, Dick Bennett. It's that type of basketball, and it's hard to watch. I've seen my share of it, and that's what they did last night. And I felt like they. And I don't think Tennessee shies away from the roughness, but I mean, it was it was rough. I mean, that BJ Mack guy was absolutely <clears throat> on a mission to just assert some physicality, you know, and it, it was happening. And you know, the refs were so inconsistent. Um, it, there were there were just so many things to point to in that game. The other thing that was very odd to me was. If you look at field goal attempts for South Carolina, they shot more threes than twos in that game. It's just so – yeah, that's not something I expected to see from them, honestly. If you're going to play slow and you're going to, you know, bring the pace to a screeching halt, it is beneficial to shoot more threes, especially if you can hit some. Yeah, well, and they – they're – and I can't tell if their spacing was that good or if Tennessee was just that lethargic, as we've used the term, on defense, too, because they had many, many open looks from three. Yeah, Tennessee, you know, Jonas was in foul trouble, and you know, late in the game, Tennessee was trying to put Meshack on their big man, and that wasn't working. I, he was getting called for ticky-tack fouls, which you hope that you know if you're undersized, they let you fight a little bit in the post, especially at home late in the game. They were not letting Meshack fight, but Tennessee just kind of struggled with, with controlling the paint, and South Carolina was tougher down low and got key rebounds and got key loose balls, and then Tennessee was scrambling on defense a lot. And there's a lot of those open threes to me were just coming off of offensive rebounds and then you're swinging the ball and or coming off of Tennessee's press and they're, they're hitting, you know, the open guy, which leading to the next open guy. And then Tennessee's trying to close out and you see Zakai Ziegler fall for his 465th pump fake of the season <laughs> as he falls for a pump fake every time he tries to close out and gives up so many open shots because he's flying by. It was a problem for the entire team. By the way, shout out to a couple of tweeters who pointed out, I completely misheard the LeBron James story. The, the player's dad just played with LeBron James okay. in Akron. <laughs> they were from Akron and played with LeBron. Because I was so confused at first. I was like, wait, that guy's dad's name is LeBron James too? How, what are the odds? <laughs> That's what I said. What, what are the odds? I said to myself as I was trying to go into the kitchen and fix some leftover lasagna. Huh? Crazy. But, yeah, like, Tennessee was not good defensively, Bob. They were not sound defensively. I actually thought that Barnes and whoever runs the defense could have maybe gone to a press a little bit earlier to try to speed up South Carolina. But, really, outside of the first three minutes of the second half, Tennessee sucked. They yeah. just sucked. Like, the first three minutes, like, okay, here we go. They fell behind seven. The next thing you know, boom, here's a big run. Santee's getting a steal and a fast break. He's hitting a three. And you're like, okay, here we go. And it's a one-point game. You're like, here we go. Take the lead. Take the lead. And miss layup. Miss layup. Fumbled ball by Jonas. Missed shot. Scoring drought. Scoring drought. Scoring drought. And South Carolina pulls back out to like five or six. And then you're like, okay, this is going to go down to the wire. They had one of those, Tennessee did, one of those infamous five-minute droughts in the second half. And it, it, it was at a such a critical time, too. And the only time I felt good about this game, it wasn't even in the second half for me. It was, uh, you know, Tennessee went down 7 nothing right off the top of the game, and then they kind of inched back in, and next thing you know, at one point I think they were up 14-10, to 10, and I was of the mind like, okay, we're it's going to be okay. 
and then that changed quickly again and and then i i just felt after that it was it was hard to to believe at that point I, you know we stuck around we wanted to see a comeback we'd get close and then just couldn't get over the hump um i mean again it's the other thing is as much as i don't want to say it in their own way north carolina's good you know nobody makes them play the way they want it they dictated the pace that's what we were worried about and we you know you said it yesterday john they're like ranked what 342nd in pace and yeah the truth is <laughs> they know that they're unapologetically like we don't care man that's how we play and that's how we win and and they're making it happen it's uh ugh, it's one way to win no i mean south carolina is now legitimate in my eyes, I think they'll be legitimate in everyone's eyes. They probably sort of already been ranked after beating Kentucky, and I know their non-conference wasn't great and their schedule wasn't great, but you could just watch them and, and see they pass the eye test. Now, you know they'll definitely be ranked coming into the next polls after beating a top-five team on the road, but they're a tournament team, in my opinion. I don't know if they'll stick around and like compete for the SEC crown, but I mean, like, I feel like they're definitely a top seven team in the SEC, and in that league, that might be good enough to get you in the tournament, depending on what they do moving forward. But you talk about those scoring droughts. I, I talked about the seven o or the seven point run. It was a seven o run that Tennessee had to start the half after falling down seven. Right. Vescovy hit his three with seventeen forty seven left to make it thirty three thirty three. Over the next, well, do the math for me, Bob. Seventeen forty-seven to eight eighteen. So that's basically what over the next. Let's just call it nine and a half minutes. Right. That's nine right. minutes and twenty-nine seconds, if my math is correct. Tennessee scored nine points. Yeah. They had thirty-three points until Dalton connect, or they had forty-two points, excuse me, until Dalton connect went to the free throw line with eight eighteen left. That that's the first. That you you hit point forty-three and forty-four, or point ten and eleven of that you know ten-minute run there, and and to me. That tells the story. You had fallen behind, you know, five, uh, six points there. And then even if you go further, like you got your 44th point there. Tennessee finished with 59, and, and Dalton Connect felt like he had, what, like 12, 13 in the final, like three minutes. So, like I told you, you got your, what, your 40, 44th point at what point? I said the, the 818 mark. Right. You had 46 points with 305 left. So, so you, you you went another five minutes with three points. Crunch time of the game, where it's still kind of hanging in the balance. You didn't really fall down. You know, it, you were within seven basically that entire time. You were within seven. They hit two free throws to go up nine with three oh five left. That then Dalton Connect came back and got a jumper. That's when he kind of got going. But five points. Over that five-minute stretch. <clears throat> and the fans did – this goes back to – we were talking earlier about the vibe in the arena. They the, – because there was this moment, too, where South Carolina wasn't scoring. And so Tennessee had all these chances. And every time they would stop them and get the ball back, you could hear the fans – you know, the whole – again, the vibe was like, come on, let's go. Here we go. You know, everybody, everybody kept believing, like, it's going to happen. And it just never did. Um you know, South Carolina, the other thing, um, at first blush, yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to win the SEC. However, their remaining schedule is uh, not quite like Tennessee's, and I can't speak for Kentucky and Auburn or Alabama for that matter, but this is what's ahead for South Carolina starting on Saturday. At Georgia versus Ole Miss versus Vanderbilt 
at Auburn versus LSU at Ole Miss at Texas A&M, home against Florida, home against Tennessee, and at Mississippi State. It's not a brutal schedule. No, and like I said, to me, they're a tournament team now, and they'll be a top 25 team when the rankings come out, and they are going to be – Really, I think they're going to be tough to play as long as that coach is there. I mean, I think that style of play, like, and if you can get your team to buy into it, and, you know, they were picked to finish last, and they're kind of having that Rick Barnes year, right, in year, was it year two, year three with Barnes, whenever you went from last to, you know, you ended up competing for an SEC championship. You talked about the crowd trying to will the comeback. I mean, you're right. Like, it, 48-42 to at 9.32 left, whenever they they went up six points at the 9.32 mark. And from the 932 mark all the way to the 505 mark, South Carolina was stuck at 48 points. So, like, you were down six and then held your opponent scoreless for the next four and a half minutes, and you only cut into the lead three points. Yeah. And then they hit a three, and then you're back to where you started. You wasted basically four and a half minutes at home while you shut out your opponent and you couldn't make any headway into the lead. Sam, you've been quiet. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think for me looking at this game, something that I kind of noticed is that I think, you know, outside of your your two blowout wins in SEC play against Alabama and Florida, I think this team has struggled to get off to a strong start in the first half, and I think that's kind of lingered, you know, into into the second half of games, and you found a way to win most of them. But I think last night was a night where, you know, they drag you into the mud, like Bob was saying, and and dictate the pace of the game and, and play it at their style. And, you know, you, you kind of fight back there a little bit at the end of the first half and then in the, into the start of the second half, but then you just – you still kind of let them play their type of game and, and you never really got going. And I thought that, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that you can clean up, but there's also – I think that's – this game kind of also shows maybe the, the blueprint of how Tennessee might lose in March. We'll take your calls if you want to weigh in on the game. 865-546-8200 if you want to talk about basketball. If you want to talk about the football stuff, save that for hour two. Yeah. Because we're talking basketball probably for the rest of the hour. But we'll get to the we'll get to the football news and we'll take your calls there as well. But like by my count, just going through the play by play, Dalton Connect didn't have a field goal until the two fifty six mark. He went the first 17 minutes of the second half without a field goal. By my count, he went 0 for 5 on a lot of jumpers. 0 for 5 by my count. And then, yeah, he he hit the jumper to cut it to 7 at 256, and that's when he kind of got going and kind of went crazy and, and got Tennessee back within, you know, arm's reach. Within, like, hey, one possession, get a stop. Nope, here's a South Carolina 3. Never mind. So like his numbers look good, thirty-one points, and you know, it, it's I tweeted it out after the game, but like it's a testament to how great he is that a thirty-one point game felt underachieving for him. But that's how I felt watching. Is like he he Dane Bradshaw kept talking about, hey, they, they look tired. They look like they you know he didn't say it, but like like he partied in Nashville after beating Vanderbilt. Like they look like they are kind of hungover on Tuesday. <sighs> Sometimes you'll see that from an NBA team on back-to-backs or when they get to certain cities. Like, that's how they kind of look, just like they didn't want to be out there and connect. I don't know if it was the fatigue and the, the load he was having to carry, but he didn't look like himself either for most of the game. Over for 5 in the second half until he caught fire. They did mention body language a lot on that broadcast, and I thought that was a good point, honestly. I think that, 
you know, for how bad Tennessee was playing and maybe some things going the wrong way, the ball not falling and maybe not getting some calls. Like I did think you saw, I think you saw some guys kind of getting down on themselves and kind of pouting and not, you know, like not moving on to the next play when there was a lot of basketball left to play. And I think you kind of let that negative mentality maybe linger a little bit too long in that game. Bob, was it just a, one of those games in college basketball that happened? Keep in mind, North Carolina did lose at home against Georgia Tech <laughs> last night. So like, Top five teams have been vulnerable. Top ten teams especially have been vulnerable, mostly on the road, not so much at home. But you did have two go down last night. Was it just one of those games from Tennessee, in your opinion, just where it didn't go right and people's shoulders are slumped because they're playing so poorly and it's just kind of a snowball effect? I, I think so. Sam and I were talking before we started the show that, you know, trying to look at any sort of bright side on this um, – we lost by four points, played horribly. I guess everybody's concern is, is that the beginning of a, you know, is that a beginning of a pattern? Because we're going into a very, very hostile environment, difficult game, difficult opponent on Saturday. You could argue sometimes, you know, Barnes doesn't have many losing streaks. I mean, but, you know, will they bounce back? Uh, that's the part that's what I'm more concerned about really is that game at this point less concerned about the one that happened last night it sucked but to your point you know North Carolina lost to a team that was nine and 11 um, added to the legend about as did tennis well Tennessee it wasn't on the road but adds to the legend of uh, going on the road playing an unranked team being a top 10 team and losing that's that's happening a lot this season so uh, it's some of it's commentary on the state of college basketball. I just think it's hard for the fans to accept that and also not approach it with a football mentality of, you know, one loss in basketball doesn't ruin your season. But we've been there before, and so it gives us some cause for concern. I think it's fair to say that, and I think everybody feels a little bit of that when these kind of games happen because, again, it, it looks kind of familiar, sadly enough. Good call by you. I did say that North Carolina was at home. They were on the road, like you said, and that makes more sense why they didn't get the foul call at the end of the game whenever yeah. uh, their guy kind of got hurt or got hit whenever he was driving to the basket. That makes more sense. I don't have any positives to take away from the game, honestly. You said that, hey, you only lost by four. I don't – yeah, that, that's really searching for a silver lining. I don't, I don't see one. No Bradley Cooper, no Jennifer Lawrence. I thought everyone was bad last night. Connect, you could say, like, got hot, but the three missed free throws during that comeback, you know, kept you from having the game tied. We, we talked with uh, Ryan Shumpert at the beginning of the week, and one of the questions I posed to him was the, the state of Tobey Iwaka. I thought he played better last night. He was still looking like it was an adventure when he got his hands on the ball, but he played meaningful minutes, had, I think, eight boards, six points. Um, that... That's the closest thing I saw to an encouraging sign. Estrella, his minutes were all right, too, although he misses a dunk after a great look by Santee. And that was kind of, was correct me if I'm wrong, was that in the second half or was that late in the first half? Late in the first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To me, that, you know, with with Adu getting into foul trouble, I do. I mean, I didn't think Iwaka played terrible, but I just think that that, that high ball screen action that they've been, ro- that they've been running with Adu and Connect just – you know, I just don't think that Iwaka is obviously as effective in that position, and no. I just think that that I agree. you're struggling to kind of find more of an offensive identity in terms of like running actions with Connect and a big man if Adu's not on the floor. Yeah, that's a good observation. I did think there were plenty of times though with Iwaka that 
the screen was wide and effective enough that Connect still got downhill. It's just Connect was missing like those little runners that he usually hits. There was one particular time where he missed, and Awaka was able to just easily get the offensive rebound and put it back up, though, or get fouled because of how much bigger he was than the, the guard that was switched on him. So I do still think that that's a, a play that could work without Jonas, but it definitely felt different offensively when you have Jonas going back to missing five-foot shots and airballing a 12-foot jumper on an out, you know, out-of-bounds play whenever the game is slipping away from you. Like, Whenever Jonas went back to not being a scorer, the offense did feel drastically different, and you hope that's just a a blip on the radar and just a bad game versus more more so like regression to the mean of who he's been kind of as an offensive player most it's, of his career here. It's a great observation because all I could see with you know Awaka played more like South Carolina plays last yeah. night, and we mm-hmm. didn't need that, right. you know. But but again, he had serviceable minutes, but he's more of a clear out guy and. You know, uses the physicality and, um, but yeah, we were texting last night, and I think I said we're seeing bad Jonas tonight. It was, it's been a long time since that happened, but came to a bad time. I, I kind of disagree. I would have maybe liked to have seen more Awaka last night, just because I do think we did need to match their physicality and get some hustle balls. And like to me, maybe maybe it would have just been more of the same bad offense, but. Whenever you're in a street fight like that, it was clear that South Carolina was going to be the aggressor. It was clear that South Carolina was going to be the one who set the tempo. Tennessee never really successfully got out and ran. I would have liked to have seen more minutes from Awaka and Meshack both because I thought they both could could kind of match that intensity. And just coming with the way it came across on TV, the fans seemed bad last night. Now, they didn't get a lot to cheer for, but that place seemed kind of – dead for a lot of it maybe it was different in the arena bob but like those are two energy guys that could also make some plays that could get the crowd into it and kind of right. hopefully get some momentum rolling and I, I thought both those guys only playing 15 minutes each was kind of a misstep especially like he got bad gainy last night 23 points of cardio or 23 <laughs> minutes of cardio for him not 23 yeah. points he definitely didn't score 23 points it was 23 minutes of cardio just out there running around vibes and missing shots <laughs> And, you know, Zakai with his worst game of the year. 32 minutes of him just running out there getting cardio. Like, it wasn't like he was really creating any offense for you with assists and setting things up. It wasn't like he was really helping on defense. I would have liked to have seen Tennessee go a little bit bigger with Meshack. And, you know, when when Jonas is struggling, maybe have, have more Awaka minutes out there. It's just kind of how I felt watching it. But in late in the game, speaking of Ganey, Ganey was in there and Santi wasn't, and mm-hmm. I didn't get that at all. That um, was really because I thought I thought Vescovy overall, I thought he played well again. You know, I mean he he shot a costly air ball at one point from three. I don't think anybody saw that coming because he had hit a couple. But I would want him in there late in the game over Ganey at this point, and he wasn't, and I'm not not entirely sure why that happened. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it. There's there again, not a lot of uh, good stuff to find in this one. It was uh, it was very very tough, and um, uh, you know, uh, response is going to be interesting for Saturday. Uh, think of all the we've been talking about it. Like man, this you know, it's going to be a big week. We're going to wear out on this show talking about Kentucky, and we'll get to it. Still, it's a big game nonetheless, but. 
we were talking in terms that this was going to be epic, you know, but that was presuming we take down South Carolina and it didn't happen. It's always a bad feeling when you lose the midweek game. You yeah. get to the weekend and, yeah, you're ranked number five, but you're not really ranked number five. And you, you got to go in there and you're coming off a loss and the, the losing streak and all of a sudden dropping to five and three in conference. And if you want to be a pessimist, if you want to be negative, it could easily be four and four. You could have easily lost that Georgia game. Like Georgia had you on the ropes. So, like, you, you, the doubt will start creeping in if you lose to Kentucky. And it might not even be doubt as much as it's just a declaration that this is the same old Tennessee. And, like, it's it's Dalton Connect and then the rest of the guys suck. Like, you're very close to, like, that, that was the takeaway from last night from people. It was just like, hey, Jonas, not consistent down low. Zakai, what, what the hell was that? Vescovy, you're, you're, you're not even in the game late. You're 26 minutes and, and like, we're, we're – praising our stars when you do score a five points in like a little bit of a stretch there and like if you take away the steal and the three to start the second half you had five points the rest of the game josiah oh god josiah what are we doing what are we doing man first first start of the game correct me if i'm wrong was that josiah quarter three yeah yeah and you're like okay here we go clank Clank. Place absolutely erupted when he got his one bucket. I mean, you would have thought it was a big bucket too. Yeah, but you would. It was. It was not far off the pace of when a walk on gets in the game and scores. I mean, it was. It was. It was a lot. You're trying to will him to have some confidence, and it did feel like a big bucket because Tennessee wasn't a drought, and the game was kind of sliding away. And finally, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to get on the block here. I'm going to hit this little eight foot turnaround jumper in the lane. Probably get fouled. Probably could have been an and one. And I'm going to actually be aggressive." And he hits that, and he's like, I'm not going to shoot again. I'm good. I got my one bucket. We're good. And then, what? again, what blows me away is you look at minutes played. He had the third most minutes played behind Connect and Ziggler. I still think he plays good team basketball. Like, I've compared him to the Draymond Green. Like, he's kind of this team's Draymond Green. He's, this program's Draymond Green. Like, you don't always need points from him. Now, it does get highlighted when no one else is helping, right? When, like, when, 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 Zakai and Adu and Ganey are combining for what eight points between the three of them, and Mayshak throw him in there too. There's four guys that are getting minutes, score eight points. It does all of a sudden shine the light on Josiah's offensive struggles, but he does still just do winning basketball stuff. But man, like he hasn't scored in double figures since Tarleton State. Yeah, and like the way he started the season was so good, and you're hoping it's like clicked and. Maybe he's just a guy that just can't score. Maybe. Although, like, we've seen him score. He scored 23 points against North Carolina State. He scored 20 points against North Carolina. Like, what has happened? Last year, I was like, oh, yeah, the wrist is messed up. That was supposed to be fixed. I would I would go so far. I don't, I don't want to remind myself of it. But, uh, again, I was of the mind that during, and some of this coincided with Connect's struggle bus moments, there was a moment during the season where Josiah might have been the, you know, for a multiple game span, he might have been the most valuable player on the team. It's hard to believe we're saying that, but, you know, he he was good for a little while, but it's just ever since conference play started, it's gone. You talk about conference play, I'm just kind of going through the game log here. Do you realize what he's shooting from three in the SEC? Bob, do you know? No, I don't. You want to take a guess? Uh, oh, just take a guess overall. First of all, I want to know how many shots you think he's taken from three. Um, well, he's not taking many shots, period. So uh, that one may not be that hard. Um, but as far as percentage from three, 
Um, I would say 15%. By my calculation, Sam, he has shot 18 threes. So 18 threes in seven games. He has hit one. Wow. One of 18. One of 18. I, I don't think that comes out to, what would you say, 18%? I, I think we'd kill for 18% at yeah. this point. Yeah. What is one divided by 18? Do we know, Do we know Sam? We're looking at like. It's like about 6%. Yeah, five, we're looking at about 5.5%. Five five and and we'll round up. We'll give you 6%. 5.5% from three. The super senior SEC bump, play. yeah. One of 18. According to the game log I'm looking at, over three against Ole Miss, over three against State, over three against Georgia, one for three against Florida. Over three against Alabama, over one against Vandy, over two last night against South Carolina. Add that up, it's one for eighteen. It's hard to believe. I'm looking right now at that, and these were against good opponents. North Carolina, twenty points, five boards. George Mason, sixteen, six and six, or fifteen, six and six. Illinois, twelve, six and seven. Georgia Southern, three points, eight boards. North Carolina State, twenty three points, seven boards. And then double-double against Tarleton State, 10 points, 10 boards. At the beginning of the season, don't forget, 14 points against Wisconsin. Right. 15 points against Syracuse. I know, you know, Syracuse might not be great, but like at least that was a yeah a marquee game in that, the tournament. Like, he came out of the season and was scoring. He looked like he was going to be your second scorer this year. Yep. He had finally clicked. Yeah, we were like, this is the guy we were waiting for. It was great. I don't now, want to make him just the whipping boy of last night or of the, of the offensive struggles because, again, it wasn't just him. It was everybody. And and to me, again, despite scoring 31 points, strangely enough, that includes Dalton Connect because I thought that he wasn't great last night either. All right, Sam, take, take us to break. We'll continue the basketball conversation afterwards. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Are you in need of a smile makeover? Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Costa at Knoxville Smiles. And if you're ready to improve your smile, replace teeth that are missing, make your dentures tighter, add implants to your mouth, whatever you may need, we're here to discuss a wide range of easy, pain-free cosmetic and restorative procedures that can create a glowing, radiant smile that you've always dreamed of. Don't wait any longer. The time is now. Call us today at Knoxville Smiles and schedule your appointment at 865-539-1776 or go online to KnoxvilleSmiles.com. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Eddie Garcia. In the NBA, five games on the schedule, highlighted by the Celtics beating the Pacers 129-124. Boston now league best 37-11 and on the season. Warriors beat the 76ers 119-107. Steph Curry, 37 points for Golden State. Philadelphia star Joel Embiid returned to the lineup after sitting out a few games with a knee injury, but he appeared to re-aggravate that injury, left the game, and did not return. He's going to have an MRI later today. Knicks won their eighth straight, beating the Jazz 118-103. Hawks over the Lakers 138-122. LA now under 500 on the season at 24-25. And, and the Raptors beat the Bulls 118-107. Top 25 college basketball, 11 ranked teams in action. We had two top five teams go down. Number three, North Carolina losing at Georgia Tech 74-73. Number five, Tennessee falls at home to South Carolina 63-59. And a battle of ranked teams, number 25, TCU beat number 15, Texas Tech 85-7. Drink some White Claw irresponsibly to get away the uh, pain <laughs> from, from last night's game. Or to get you ready for Kentucky on Saturday. The good news, Bob, is that you do have an immediate opportunity to get the taste out of your mouth. Am I a sunshine pumper for saying that maybe I'm a little bit more confident in the game now after just playing the worst of the season? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. I, I kind of, And maybe we are. Maybe we're trying to be optimistic intentionally. But You're glass half full, guy. I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I think they were more – I do think they were more susceptible to an ambush type of game in Lexington if they had won last night. That's the way it kind of goes with them. Um, so, yeah, maybe they're a little more hungry, a um, little angry, maybe. I don't know. To me, a sunshine pumper, Sam, is somebody that tries to make the the 10% full glass okay. seem half full. Okay. If, it, if the glass is half full and you're choosing to view that, I'll give you that. If the glass is 90% empty and you're trying to point to the 10%, that's when I'll be like, okay, that that's a little too extreme. And that's how a lot of people were with the football program for so long. You know, when, whenever people are throwing around the, the phrase sunshine pumper all the time, that's what people were doing there was trying to be like, hey – yeah, we only get one hour of sunlight, but hey, how about that sunlight, huh? Huh? It's dark. 23 hours, but that one hour, be grateful for that. I, I think you're being optimistic for saying that Tennessee can be reset and go into Kentucky hungry. But, like, ultimately, it comes down to what the team does. If the team comes out and plays well, you're right, Sam. If they come out and get their ass kicked, then you look like an idiot. Sure. Yeah, like, I mean... <laughs> You can say whatever cliche you want. You could be negative and say the team's done. They're going to get their ass kicked in Kentucky. But then it just matters what they actually do. And if you were being negative all week leading up to it, you still get to celebrate with your team and win. Like, that's how that works. Like So, like, you know, maybe being negative is better because either you're right or you're happy. Whereas in your scenario, either you're right and happy or you're going to be wrong and miserable. Yeah. I, I normally take that side with most of my sports teams. I'd rather get double the pain and double the pleasure. <laughs> I kind of agree. That's kind of how I'm wired, too. That's kind of how I'm wired, too. And I, I don't know if I think Tennessee is going to go up to Kentucky and win. I do know the game matters more now. You know, for the SEC race, it's almost a must. Like, you know, if we're looking at that race for 15 wins, 15-3, and three, like, you, you have to – to win at Rupp. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at having to run the table. 
Which, I mean, we've seen a Rick Barnes team do before get hot down the stretch and, and, and go on these long win streaks. But it feels pretty bleak if you lose. And like I said, you're 5-3. and three And all of a sudden people start pointing to, well, yeah, you could be 4-4 four and four if you didn't steal that one from Georgia. Because that was an 11-point game with like six minutes left. I think you were kind of dead. Twitter writes in posing a question. Would you take Chris Ledlam over Josiah? I did this comparison, um, but not in the last month. Uh, yeah, it seemed dumb. You know, in, to, to in a do. month ago, it was like it, it was well statistically at that point it was kind of a wash. But I was of the mind that but you got the whole locker room impact that Josiah brings because he's familiar with everybody and there's intangibles. He's a leader, like you said, John. He's our Draymond. So I was. At that point, I was like, I'm all in with Josiah. A month later, I don't know what the stats look like. I don't know what Ledlam's doing. I've, I don't believe Ledlam's been on a tear by any stretch. But uh, And again, that would be another new player, and there's been some debate about having new players in the mix already. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure that that would be a, a material difference, having Ledlam on the team instead of Josiah. Yeah, just to clarify, when I say Draymond, I mean – I mean that from just from a basketball standpoint of doing like the glue guy stuff, right. running the defense, not the emotional leadership stuff. Because, you know, when you think of Draymond, you also think of him as like kind of the heartbeat of uh, of the Warriors in terms of leadership and setting the tone and locker room. Like Josiah needs more of that. Yeah. He needs to be more of a vocal leader and to be more of a passionate guy. But, yeah, I do think the intangible stuff on the court is similar. You look at Ledlam, I mean – his last handful of games, one for six against Villanova, two points, five for 14, a one-point loss against Marquette, uh, two for six, seven points and a loss to Seton Hall, two for three against Creighton and a loss. Like, Yeah. I, I'll say no. I'll still take Josiah. I agree. Just because I do think that bringing in a, you know, a, bad, efficient, a bad efficiency, a low-percentage shooter, probably isn't good for this offense. Like, I do think whenever the rest of the guys do their job, I'm fine with Josiah taking three or four shots and doing everything else. I don't know if I want a guy coming in here and shooting 14 times and, and scoring 13 points. Like, that, those are 14 shots away from guys that I would rather have shooting the ball. That's kind of the way I look at it. And it's not like his three-point shot has been a success either. I mean, he might be shooting better than – uh, you know, Josiah is in, in conference play because, again, one for 18. Well, uh, our guy Jordan Moore sent the three of us some statistical stuff on on that's pretty precise on uh, Triple J's shooting. And pre-conference or non-conference, he was shooting 41% from three. Yeah. Now, now he's shooting 7% was what he – so Jordan gave him a little more love than we did. but um, That must not be updated from last night. Yeah. Because it said – well, where does it say that, 7%? Yeah, 1 for 14 is what – and I'm looking at these slides that Jordan shared with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I think that's just 1 for 14 from the top of the key. Oh, and yeah, and then 0 for 4. Right so you're right, 1 yeah. of 18 1 still. of 18, 5.6%. Yeah. Which uh, maybe get off the top of the key, Josiah. That's not not working well for you. Maybe try one from the left corner, the right corner. You're over four. Maybe take one shot from the wing or the left corner. Honest to God, though, you look at the conference too. Even the even the stuff down low, he's not even you know forty four percent, forty three percent from uh, kind of the mid range. I mean, it's it's ugly, man. Well, to me, like just look at the shot chart and appreciate Jordan Moore for sending that in. 
check him out over time. He sits in with William from time to time. For me, like 11 for 17 at the rim versus 4 for 9 at the rim in conference play. I, I know that the game breakdown is a little bit different, but like yeah. the fact you've played seven, seven conference games and you've only attempted nine <laughs> shots at the rim for him is a little crazy. Kind of the same as only shooting seven shots from like that mid-range paint where he's pretty good at the mid-range jumper, or at least has shot a lot of those. It's kind of his, his go-to shot. He's only shot the ball seven times there. So like 16 attempts inside the, the paint. In seven games. In seven games. And that's including like the mid range, the free throw line and down. Like I don't know. I don't know. It's just he's he's gone back to being just kind of a I'm I'm gonna shoot threes or I'm not really gonna shoot. And that wasn't what he was doing in the uh, the non conference portion of the schedule. But again, to go back to the Draymond comparison, you don't ask Draymond to score whenever Steph's hitting shots. Like as long as Clay's out there and you know Durant's out there and and other guys are out there scoring points, you don't have to ask Draymond to score. If he scores four points or five points, like that's fine because he's gonna have eight rebounds and three steals and and play good defense. I don't want to p- pile on Josiah because I do think he's kind of the whipping boy of the of the program of the fan base. People point to him when things go bad. Everyone else has to score more, man. Yeah. Everyone else has to help. Like I understand the frustrations and the shooting. And the lack of shooting, the lack of confidence. I get that. I'm not making excuses for it. But, like, you, you need your top ten point guard in the country, apparently. Which I don't buy. But you need him to come out and, and hit a couple field goals, man. You can't go field goalless. You need him to dish some assists and create some offense. You need somebody off the bench. Like, somebody, for the love of God, hit a jump shot. Shout out to Awaka for giving you, you know, six... Six points off the bench and Estrella for giving you two, but your two guards off the bench that played 38 minutes shot the ball three times and scored zero points. Meshack, I understand you're a defensive guy. You're my favorite player. But you at least got to shoot the ball a couple times. You can't be out there for 15 minutes and not shoot the ball once. Get to the rim. Do something. Get, get to the free throw line. Do something. Make them foul you. At least throw up a layup while you're getting fouled. And if they don't call it, at least I know you had a shot attempt. So, yeah, like, you, you could pile on James, and I know people will, but Zakai 0 for 6, Ganey 0 for 3, Meshack 0 for 0. So, you got, you know, zero, or, uh, zero made field goals in nine attempts from your, your other three guards that aren't Santiago Vescovi. And to me, that that's a bigger story than than James and his struggles. Stop thinking of him as a five-star All-American high school player. He's not that. Yeah, He's not a five-star All-American high school player. Stop thinking of him like that. And think of him just like Draymond Green, a defensive specialist. It'll make your life a little bit more tolerable watching Tennessee play basketball. At least that, that works for me. Once I made like that realization he's not an offensive guy at all, any points he gives you are going to be kind of house money, I started liking Josiah's game a lot more. Try that moving forward. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier in the week. If we can... I don't think it's that high of an expectation. If you could expect 16 to, on a good night, 20 points from, from Josiah and Vescovy, then you're doing all right. And it, you know, yeah. we're, but we're just not near that at this point. Yeah. 16 is the number I want between those two. Yeah. And that's like, it could be four and 12. Like that's not like Vescovy should be able to give you 12 points. And Josiah should be able to find four. 
Like that that's the key number I'm looking at. Last night they gave you they gave you twelve. By the way, you lost by four points. <laughs> they gave you sixteen, it's a tie game. <laughs> Drink some white claw hard seltzer. Pick you up the vodka, the good stuff, or go back to the OG variety pack. Only a hundred calories in that can. White Claw's got a lot of stuff you could buy, man. They even got the non-alcoholic seltzers now. Support the people who support us. We appreciate them and Cherokee Distributing for their support locally. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two of some stuff you might have missed from yesterday. Then we'll get into the football story. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.